بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala We seek blessings on the Prophet Peace be upon him Okay, so uh, the, the goal for the course of the semester Is to make it through Al-Fatiha Which will probably take us half of the semester okay. and, and then to see how far we can get into Al-Baqarah and and my approach uh, for for those who have not taken my classes before, my approach you'll see is it starts out lectureish and then it'll start becoming more and more discussion oriented. But today will be a lot of, of, of lecture and such. And so so let's uh, lay out uh, some groundwork points. Yeah, uh, it's okay. And this also keeps me awake, you know. Okay. So in any case, so so a few preliminary points. Um, uh, uh, when we speak of the entirety of the Islamic tradition, okay, uh, it's a series of different disciplines that we call ulum, which literally would translate as sciences or fields of knowledge. Okay. And so we can even categorize them um, uh, uh, by reference material, uh, uh, practical, and then abstract. So the reference material, the reference sciences, would be essentially Arabic, Quranic sciences and Hadith sciences. Okay, so those are the, the core. That's the core reference material. Okay. And then in terms of, of practice uh, across across the various uh, Islamic denominations, it's primarily um, law, jurisprudence, and purification, tazkiyah. Okay. And a subset of tazkiyah sometimes is adab. Okay. So law, the key word is often sharia, right? And then in terms of tazkiyah, there's numerous terms. Um, the Sufis, that's a common term. Irfan is a common term, ma'rifa. Uh, ihsan is often a term that people who get offended by other terms, ihsan is often you know, the easiest, uh, which is focused on the condition of the heart, whereas law is focused on action. Okay? And adab is focused on character and manners. And what we're saying is that the bulk of discourse is in the, the reference material and then the practical stuff. And then we have the abstract. This would include philosophy, uh, history, uh, some amount of theology. Okay. So there's a small amount of theology that, that everyone should know, which is usually what we call aqidah, which is basically saying, if you believe la ilaha illallah, then what else does that mean you have to believe? Obviously, Muhammad Rasulullah. Okay. And then what goes further from there, right? And if we're speaking what's common in terms of Sunni and Shia especially, but even the, uh, the other smaller denominations, we uh, believe in angels, books, messengers, uh, day of judgment, and so forth and so on, right? Um, and then, so that's a bare minimum of Qaeda. But then there's theology, uh, which we would often commonly call Kalam, which is essentially our philosophical answers to other people's philosophical questions. So in the realm of kalam today would be, all right, do we believe in evolution? Why or why not? Right, so that would be in that. Okay. So it doesn't really have practical value, but it's a question on people's minds. Okay. So we have the reference sciences, the practical sciences, and the abstract sciences. Okay. But the common theme for all of these is to bring you closer to Allah Ta'ala. That's the common theme, to bring you closer to God. Okay. Now, <coughs> all of them can be traced back to the Qur'an and the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay. Meaning, 
the more I know of the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him, then automatically the more I know the essence of those sciences. It's just like, all right, if I need to know, uh, uh, I need to know math, basic math, to know physics, and the more physics I know, the more I have the, the foundation of engineering, so to speak. Okay. Now the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, trace themselves both back to Al-Fatiha, okay, first surah. And Al-Fatiha traces itself back to Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Okay. And Bismillah Rahman Rahim traces itself back to the Ba, to the B at the beginning. Okay. And so, so if we look at this in the reverse, the more I understand of the B of Bismillah, the more I understand the essence of Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And we'll, we'll put it into practice in a moment. Just try to get the, the structure in your mind. And the more thoroughly I understand Bismillah Rahman Rahim, the more thoroughly I understand the essence of Al-Fatiha itself. Okay. And the more thoroughly I understand Al-Fatiha, then the more I understand the essence of the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay. And then the more I understand the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him, the more I understand the essence of each of these sciences. Okay. And then, so what is the goal of all of it? It is to bring you closer to Allah Ta'ala. That is the goal of the sciences, that's the goal of the Prophet and the Quran, peace be upon him. That is the goal of Al-Fatiha, which is what our, our target is to cover over the course of the semester, or at least the first half of the semester, and the goal of Bismillah Rahman Rahim. So we're going to cover Bismillah Rahman Rahim in, in some detail today. Okay. So let's start with the B. So essentially this is this is a, a teaching that goes back to Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, where he's saying that this is all summed up in the B. Okay. Now what is the essence, what is B in the Bismillah? How would you translate it? In or with? Yeah, and so what do we have here? Connection. That one of the essences of the entirety of the tradition is connection. Okay. Another term we can use is relationships. And what are your primary relationships? You see this manifest especially in Salah, <coughs> in Namaz. Uh, your relationship with Allah, because that's who we're praying to. How do we know how to pray? From the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, how do we know the times of the prayers? By where the sun is in the sky or how long the shadow is. So we're connecting to nature. Okay. The most ideal prayer is the one that's done in congregation. So you're, you're connected with the community. And even think about this fact, we'll revisit it, that when I'm saying, I'm saying to Allah, even though I'm alone, you alone do we worship, you alone do we ask for help. Okay. So it's connection to the community, and then ultimately it's connection to yourself. And what we'll also explore later on is the better my connection is to myself, the better my connection is going to be to Allah. The more honest I am with myself, the more honest I'm going to be with Allah Ta'ala, and the opposite is also true. The less honest I am with myself, the less honest I'm going to be with Allah. Okay. So we're saying one of the essences of the whole tradition is B, is in, which means, in our purposes, connection. <clears throat> and think about this from the perspective of good deeds versus sins. Whatever is a sin is a sin because Allah Ta'ala says it's a sin. Okay, that part's the easy part to understand. But think of any sin you can think of, it's straining or breaking a relationship. So if I lie to you, I'm straining my relationship with you. And if you find out that I'm lying, it's straining your trust in me. Or if you give me something to, uh, to keep as a secret and I tell everybody, same thing. Okay. Obviously the bigger sins, kill someone, you know, that's obviously breaking a relationship because they're not alive anymore. But the point being, you, you don't have to sit on the floor. You know, this is... 
you know, one sophomore, yeah. So, so the point being that uh, running through the entire tradition is this issue of connection, connection, disconnection. And you can even argue that one of the challenges of our era of modernity is everybody's alienated. Everybody's alienated from nature, uh, we're alienated from each other, and then by extension, we're alienated from ourselves, we're alienated from Allah Ta'ala. So that right there, think of that as one of the themes. Even the word deen, how do we usually translate deen? Religion, right? But deen, more accurately, would be system of interaction. That's what deen actually is. And then we speak of yom deen so Maliki yom deen master of the day of judgment. There we translate it as judgment. It's transactions. Everyone's paying everything off. What's the word for debt in Arabic? I'm going to keep calling it putting you on the spot, or anyone else who knows. Dain. They insane the same uh, same root letters, and so debt is something that you owe someone. That's another type of, of uh, relationship. So that's that's uh, uh, essentially point number two. Point number one is that everything, the whole function of everything, is to connect us with Allah Taala. And then point number two, everything is about relationships. Now here's a question: Is it possible to have a relationship with Allah Taala without uh, the Quran? How would you answer that question? Yes. Okay, who says yes? Who says no? Raise your hand if you say yes. Okay, who says no? All right. Okay, yeses go first. Yes, explain. Uh, it's belief. Okay. There is like religious fathers that people have to follow. Okay. And they don't follow the Quran, but they do follow okay. systems that relate them to okay. Allah. Okay. Okay. So whether we speak of belief or people, the book would be an example. Okay. Okay, so fitrah. Explain the fitrah point. Okay, so someone will have a natural uh, connection to Allah Ta'ala. Yeah. Read, what, what is your book? Okay, you're like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Spell <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was a yes person? Yes, why? Um, yeah, I was going to say that too. But then also, I don't think right now, since we have access to the Quran, that's not people to do that. Okay, explain that point. Oh, you're saying we can, but we shouldn't? Yeah. Okay, okay, that point we'll get to in a moment. Would, did you vote yes or no? No. No? I didn't vote. Oh. You didn't vote, you abstained. <laughs> okay, one vote. What did you say? Yes. yes, you can? Explain. Okay, you're going to say the fit because you just like that argument? Okay, nice, much All right, no's. Why? Um, no, because I feel like, you know, like you said, like, I think Quran is like a word of Allah, and like, in order, I don't know, I personally feel like in order to better understand him, in order to get closer to him, you have to have some relationship with the Quran. Like, okay, okay, I guess you can have, like, some sort of, like, okay, yeah, I have this faith. Uh-huh. That's fine. But you can't just, like, a relationship isn't, like, okay, I can have, like, I have this. Like, you know, you, you like, I feel like it's, like, no, like knowing God from a distance. Okay, yeah. I have faith. Great. Okay. But, like, you're not going to fully understand Allah unless you understand what, like, he's saying in the Quran. Okay. That's so I feel like you're kind of actually saying yes. But you two are giving the same answer where, oh. yeah, it's possible, but you're not going to get that far. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay, so because I, I get the fitrah thing when they start to have that vote, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I see that. But, like, at the same time, like, I feel like faith and, like, belief are different. Like, you could have faith in something, but, like, having belief in something is yeah, different. What would be the difference between the two? Like, belief is more substantiated, but faith is more, like, on a whim. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay, all right. Let's make the question wider then. 
is it possible to have a relationship with Allah without Islam? Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Who says yes? What, what do you mean by Islam? Do you mean like like Islam as the religion, religion we practice today? As opposed to? Or, or, or Islam as in like submission in general? Uh, let's say whatever the Prophet, peace be upon him, brought. <laughs> Uh, let's say someone who does not self-identify as Muslim and has learned nothing about Islam. Yes. Yes? yes. Who else says yes? yes? Anybody say no? Well, you say yes to this one? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of confusing because, like, yeah, the whole, it, it gets blurry because, like, like you were saying, like, Islam means submission to God. And obviously, like, before the Prophet came, there are people who would be uh, classified as Muslim okay. because they surrendered themselves to God. So this is sort of like your question. So like asking. yeah, kind of like yeah. um what she was saying earlier. So in that sense, yes, but like also those people kind of did have some exposure, like um like the priest that identified the Prophet okay. Sallallahu like he had the faith, like he had the knowledge to okay. say like that's a prophet of God. Yeah. So like I feel like you could say like he had Islam. And I also feel like I don't know. It's I feel like it's very Okay, fine. Right. So, let's just go to your oh, question. Also, like all of the like the prophets, peace be upon them, before the Muhammad came, okay. they had Islam, just not the Islam that I know today. Right? Okay. And so. Okay, so let's change it to 2019. 2019, Chicago. You know you want to say no. I do. I feel, I feel like a really bad person. Why? I don't know, because like, I mean, I'm thinking about it like, in, like, as if this is like a real person, and they're not like... Talk about somebody right now. <laughs> okay. You're like, yeah, they're all... 
We're all going to go to hell. Oh, wow. <laughs> is this what you're saying? Yeah. This is not being endorsed by the you know, people here. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, those of you who have uh, Quran translation or whatever the case may be. Open up to Surah Luqman, Surah 31. And then we're going to look at Ayahs 12 through 19. So, who would like to read for us the translation from 12 to 19? Oh, you go for it. And I'll, I'm going to interrupt you at random points, but go ahead. Actually, I'll read it all the way through, and then we'll read through again. Yeah. And he had certainly given this man wisdom and said, Be grateful to Allah, and whoever is grateful is grateful for the benefit of himself. And whoever denies his favor, then indeed Allah is free of need of his favor. And mentioned on Muhammad, when this man said to his son when he was in, instructing him, Oh, my son, do not associate anything with Allah. Indeed, association with him is great injustice. And he had enjoined upon man care for his parents. His mother carried him, increasing hair and weakness upon weakness. And his weaning is in two years. Be grateful to me and to your parents. To me is the power of explanation. But if they endeavor to make you associate with me, that of which you have no knowledge, do not obey them, but accompany them in this world with the appropriate kindness and follow the way of those who turn back, and turn back to me in repentance. Then to me will be your return, and I will inform you about what you need to do. And this man said, O oh my son, indeed if wrong should be the weight of a mustard seed, and should be within a rock or anywhere in the heavens or in the earth, Allah will bring it forth. Indeed, Allah is subtle and appeasing. O oh my son, establish prayer, enjoin what is right, forbid what is wrong, and be patient over what befalls you. Indeed, all that is of the matter requiring determination. And do not turn your cheek in contempt towards people, and do not walk through the earth exultantly. Indeed, Allah does not like everyone self-deluded and boastful. And be moderate in your pace, and lower your voice. Indeed, the most disagreeable of sounds is the voice of donkeys. Okay, good. All right, so what's the context of this passage? Uh, there's this figure, Luqman, who is on his deathbed, and he's advising his son. So going back to the beginning, first let's answer who is Luqman. There's, there's two big theories um, of who Luqman is. Both of them, um, he's a figure from long, long before the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, one is that he's someone who has interacted with many, many Prophets. Another, which is the one we're going to focus on, is that he is someone who has had no interaction with any Prophets at all. Yeah. And I'll tell you a cool theory about Luqman. So Luqman in our tradition is famous for having wise sayings, wise teachings. And uh, he is believed to be from East Africa, like the Ethiopia area. And so one theory is Luqman, is, it was also called the Ethiop. Um, can you think of anybody in history that you might have studied in grade school whose name sounds like that and uh, told like wise tales? Aesop. Yeah, so one theory is that, if you ever heard of Aesop's fables, that that might be the same person as Luqman. Cool idea, whether it is or not, I'll let me ask. In any case, <coughs> so uh, Ayah 12, Luqman is this person who, like we said, had uh, potentially no interaction with prophets. And yet, 
he was given the wisdom to figure out all these things we see in this passage that we read. So Ayah 12 says, and we gave Luqman wisdom, meaning we as Allah Ta'ala gave Luqman wisdom. And what did, what was the direction of that wisdom? It's to have shukr of Allah, gratitude of Allah. So he said one of the big themes of the Quran is connection. Another big theme is gratitude. Okay. Central theme running all the way from start to finish. And then whoever is grateful, you're the one who's benefiting. And then whoever rejects, you know, Allah doesn't need you. He's free of He's, you know, full of praise. Um, a small point. Uh, one way that we learn the meanings of words is by their opposites or what's juxtaposed together. So uh, here, shukr and kufr are juxtaposed together. They're put next to each other. Okay. Shukr usually translates as gratitude. Kufr is often translated as unbelief, right? Kufr literally means to cover something, but kufr in the context of gratitude is ingratitude, meaning rejection of belief is itself a form of ingratitude. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. And then, <coughs> so ayah 13, so, uh, لقمان, so and Luqman said to his son, while he was, he was sort of like uh, trying to teach him, Oh, my little son. Here's another small, subtle side point. Uh, Luqman might be super old, and he's calling his son, my little son, Yabunaya. Um, but his son might be, as far as we're concerned, really old. A small, subtle point to think about is your parents will always see you as young. Okay. Even you. Sorry? Even you. Uh, my parents treat me like I'm young, and I behave like I'm young. You know? No, but uh, no, the point is that... Uh, so I say this to to my my daughters. You know, you're learning how to be 16 and 19, um, and each of us sees ourselves as the year age we are and the age we're going to be. Uh, our parents see us as the age we are and the age we were. Right. So, oh my little son, uh, do not commit shirk. Okay. So what's shirk? Easy question. Sorry. Yeah, literally, it's to partner anything with, with Allah. And then he says shirk is, is a huge, a huge dhulm. Uh, dhulm, another interesting word, literally translates as darkness. In the Quranic context, context, it's oppression. So to commit shirk, to partner anything with Allah, is a huge oppression on whom? On yourself. Yeah. So... First point to think about, Luqman uh, figured out gratitude, and then he also figured out the wrongness of shirk. And then we have a side point, basically about being good to your parents, and if they tell you to do shirk, don't listen to them. Um, and then let's jump forward to Ayah 16. Now, look what else Luqman has figured out. Okay, oh my son, uh, if it's something as small as a mustard seed and it's hidden in a rock or in the heavens and the earth, Allah will bring it forth. When? Day of judgment. Day of judgment. So Luqman has also intuitively figured out the day of judgment okay. as a thing. Okay. And then, look at the next ayah. Establish salah. So he even figured out daily prayer. Calling to what is right, forbidding what is wrong in our language, establishing justice. And then, there with sabr, perseverance, whatever befalls you. Another small point, sabr in Urdu and sabr in Arabic are actually two different meanings. Sabr in Urdu is more patience. Sabr in Arabic is perseverance. 
Okay, so patience is more like when you just don't do anything. Perseverance is you keep going forward. Okay. So he even figured out sabr. Okay. And then look at the next ayah. Okay, don't turn your cheek in contempt towards people. Do not uh, walk towards the earth exultantly. You can read this a couple ways. One, he also figured out the wrongness of arrogance and or the value of the ummah. Like you should not, you know, frown on the ummah. And then the last, be moderate in the way you conduct yourself. You know, don't raise your voice too loud. And so also he's uh, also understanding adab and moderation. So in one way, Ayahs 12 through 19 is giving you a complete picture of the deen. And Luqman was able to figure out the whole thing intuitively on his own. So the answer to the question becomes, yes, yes, and yes. Is it possible for me to have a relationship with Allah Ta'ala without the Quran? Yes. Without Islam? Yes. Without religion? Yes. But related to your points, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? Uh, but the possibilities there, otherwise, I mean, if it was that easy, then he would probably not be a character in the Quran anyway, you know, but showing that it is possible. Okay, let's go back now to the beginning of the surah. If someone wanted to develop a relationship with Allah Ta'ala, what would you advise that person? So let's say you're walking on campus and someone says, I would like to develop a relationship with Allah. What do you advise I do? Talk to me, talk to me. Okay, so you'd say, talk to me, I'll give you your answers. What else? Oh, I really want to. Quran. You look like you're about to say something. Read the Quran. Okay, so you might say, go read the Quran. Yeah. I tell them to go to you. Okay, go to Muzaffar. <laughs> yeah. There is a, yes? I'd be like, start, try to start praying. Okay. Oh, a small point. His prayer uh, uh, was probably just sajda. Probably just prostration. It's not. Somebody else is raising your hand. Yes? Nine probably teach 99 names, yeah. Okay, okay. So now let's go to Al Fatiha. While we're going there, I'll tell you a funny story. So. <laughs> that was more than the class participation you've done in my class. <laughs> Mashallah. Yeah. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> except, except there was the point where, where Anas got really modest when I asked if anybody has the Quran memorized. But you could see his smile. I did not smile. I was looking down on my phone. <laughs> you didn't even hear the question. <laughs> Don't call on me. Okay. So... Uh, Oh yeah, the funny story. Okay, remind me, I'll get to the funny story later on. So we can do it in, in the in the next hour. So what is the answer that we have here? It's in Bismillah. The first step to develop a relationship with Allah is to know who is Allah or what is Allah by way of his names. Okay. That would be the first step. All your answers are not wrong. They're still correct. And we're saying the prescription here, the first step is to know who is Allah. And the first step of those names or attributes is the name Allah itself. You look like you're about to think or say something. Sorry? Okay. Sorry, I'm a teacher. I notice everything. Yeah. So, so the first name being Allah itself. So briefly, a couple points about, about the name Allah. And this, you should be master on because it's from class. You should be master on because it's from class. All of you may not know this. Okay. All right. So there's two theories about the name Allah. One is that it has always been around, at least as long as the Arabic language has been around, if not longer. Another theory is that it is a contraction of al-ilah. Okay. Like we say, la ilaha illallah. So al-ilah often translated lower as the god, lowercase g. So I'm going to give you some translations of the word ilah. 
to get a sense. So whatever you take as an ilah is whatever you turn to above all else for a couple of innate needs. One is to take you from danger into safety. So you might keep your phone, you might keep money, you might even keep a weapon to keep you uh, out, of, out of danger or to keep, uh, bring you to safety. But suppose you lose everything. Then you might rely on your intellect or something, but suppose that isn't even helping you. So what do you, what do you rely upon above all else? Is what you take as a, as a god. Or what you rely upon to take you from despair into hope is what you take as an ilah. Again, above all else. So someone might rely on relationships, someone might rely on even narcotics, whatever the case may be. Or whatever you rely upon to take you from confusion into clarity is what you take as an ilah. You don't have to be all the way in the corner, you can be like more in the field of view. You can oh, go over. Yeah. Yeah. So is what you take as an ilah, so confusion to clarity, or what you seek uh, comfort from above all, not unlike the way a baby is with mom. Or what you worship. Now the word we're translating here as worship, ibadah, literally translates as giving your most extreme love. This is ibadah. And so, so think of, of even levels of, of, of love. So we have many, many levels of love in the Quran, but I'll give you a couple simple ones. One is hub, which is just straight love. You know, you love your beloved, uh, whatever the case may be. And, and when you're at the level of hub, you, you long to be in the company of your beloved. You hope they love you back. You fear they won't love you back, all these things. Above that, you have ishq, which is like passionate love. In hub, uh, all you see in your beloved is beauty, even though you know they're false. All you see is perfection, and you're in awe of your beloved. So an example of this, if you know Surah Yusuf, uh, this is the wife of the Aziz to him. We often speak of that as though it's lust. It's actually she's in awe. She's losing. He's so beautiful that she's literally losing control. And we see it happens again when she brings him to, to the committee of women who are like cutting the apples and stuff, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is an angel, and they lose. They forget what they're doing. Right. I was gonna. This is this is how Anas feels when he enters a room. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so anyway, so and then we have ibada. Ibada will be complete voluntary surrender. So al ilah uh, would be the one to whom, the one to whom people worship, who surrender voluntarily, lovingly. So the name Allah also is titled the most majestic utterance, love al-Jalala. And the idea being that there is nothing more majestic that my tongue can say than the name Allah. And now here's an interesting contrast if we compare and contrast Islam with Judaism. The most sacred name of, of the divine in Judaism is so sacred you don't say it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry? You don't, yeah, you don't yeah. say it. And then in our tradition, it's literally the opposite. The most sacred name is so sacred you should say it as much as possible. Okay. And so, so uh, uh, make it a practice in whatever form to keep saying the name Allah, whether it's Ya Allah or Astaghfirullah, I say forgiveness with Allah, or Alhamdulillah, praise and gratitude to Allah, SubhanAllah. Keep trying to always keep the name Allah on your tongue. And what else is the effect of that? That 
actions. So actions are judged by intentions, right? We all know this. Uh, and intentions are coming based on irada and the heart. So imagine you have your heart. That is where irada is located. Your will, your desire, your yearning. That then informs your niya, your intention. Which then leads to your action. And then the action will go back and affect your heart. If you do a good action, it'll uh, improve the purity of your heart. If you do a bad action, it causes darkness in your heart. And the number one way to really inf uh, influence your heart is with your tongue. Because that is the easiest of anything to control. It is easier to control your tongue than it is to control your eyes. So if you can't control your tongue, then chances are your whole being is probably very far, so to speak, out of balance. So a way to bring yourself in balance is always keep the name of Allah on your tongue as much as possible, in whatever way. There's so many things we can say. Even blessings on the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay. And then we have two more attributes of Allah, ar-Rahman and ar-Rahim. We, we have about two minutes left. Uh, before I continue, anybody have any questions about anything? Who wants to teach this material back to us next week? Does he? I might have to, again, I'm commuting, and so I might have to go all the way back to my place. You know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 I said one thing freshman year, and he brings it back every single time. Well, you don't know. What, what, uh, yeah, yeah. what year are you now? Sophomore. Sophomore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it was 15 years ago. Okay, no, I'm teasing, teasing. Okay, uh, then uh, everyone will, will share from their notes uh, next week, inshallah. Uh, in fact, let's stop right here. We'll do Arhman and Arahim uh, next time. Sir? Yeah, yeah share with everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, if you want to make one group document and people, you know, add whatever, <laughs> that might even work real well. <laughs> yes. I love the. So, Al dash L A F Z. L A F Z? Yeah. Al Jalala. So all the names of Allah are either uh, names of Jamal or Jalal, so either beauty or majesty. And so we're saying this is the most majestic utterance. Any other questions? She wants it. Yeah, I don't know why. I got nominated. Love is a love. What that works too. So ibadah is at the top. So hub ishq ibadah. So in English, think of it as general love, and then like awe, passion of love, adoration, and then above that would be worship. Yeah. Worship is the highest form of love. Any other questions? Yes. Can be. Yeah. I mean, so everything comes down to your intention, right? Yeah. So if you're being good to your parents, so they give you more allowance? You know, yeah. Right? So likewise, if I'm praying so other people see me. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, can so be. Yeah. Going back to the whole, can you have a relationship with Allah without having this knowledge? Yeah. So hold on to this question because because uh, it's very much related to the uh, intention issue. 
uh, and I have to remember when we'll be visiting it again. But yeah, we'll, we'll get more into this discussion. So, yeah. any other questions? Yes, yeah, so we're doing so probably for this whole first half of the semester at least. We'll probably go through Al Fatiha. <coughs> Might take longer. And then we'll go right into Al Baqarah. Yes? You know how you said keep all of Layla your tongue? What about saying Wallah? So, yeah, I discourage the Arab bros from saying Wallah. Because <laughs> it's like they say Wallah about everything. Yeah, but technically <laughs> it's still keeping Allah in your mouth. It is, yeah. yeah. But I feel like. It's like even though it, the t what's the translation of Allah? By Allah. Sorry. Yeah, I swear by Allah, this is the truth, right? That's whatever I say after is the truth. Yeah, and then but it'll be like, well, I'm hungry, bro, and so that's <laughs> right, and so that's fine. But uh, I feel like a lot of times that it's being said, it's just like it's synonymous with I'm serious. You know. Is that more linguistic thing or more? So literally is, I swear by Allah, right? That's Allah. Um, but uh, I mean, think about it this way. Um, uh, I just said, like, the, the level you want to get to is anytime the name Allah is mentioned, that actually causes your heart to tremble, right? And I'm saying the, the way Allah is said so casually, it's like the opposite. You look like you're about to, are you like? No. Okay, yeah. Uh -huh. Any other questions about anything? Yes. I have read somewhere that, like, if you say, like, if, or if you try to get someone to say wallah, like, you're like, oh, wallah, like, yeah. um, like, then if they're lying and they're oath, you're complicit with them. Oh, that's an interesting point. Uh, I'm not familiar with it that way, but it could be. You know. I, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're, like, cornering someone, maybe. No, because, like, if you're, like, oh, like, if they're, like, oh, like, yeah, say Wallah. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then they're like, Wallah. Um, I know a lot of people do that. Like, they'll just say Wallah. Oh, yeah, totally. That's a message. Um, like, a lot, so. Yeah, I'm hesitant to say that the person who, you know, had them say Wallah is complicit. Um, maybe if they know they're lying, then, you know, then, like, let's say, you know, uh, let's say we have a hypothetical person, a hypothetical person named Sylvester who, who, so who says, you know, I was studying, and you know he wasn't studying, yeah. right? And you're like, say Wallah. He's like, Wallah, right? Let's speak Arabic. Yeah. So I'm hesitant to say that uh, that I'm complicit, but I can understand it if I know he's lying and I'm trying to push him deeper down. Then that seems kind of slimy. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions about anything, anything at all? Except for the It'll open up another room. Okay, I see that. I know I can't see. Yeah, even slower than that. Yeah. Piece of ice. Yeah. I really do. Stop. I knew you would say something. As soon as I saw Aisha's name pop up, I knew she would say something. It's okay. I'll say it. Think of it as essentially just setting foundations, getting fundamentals all established. Sorry in advance. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Quite a, quite a few of these, yeah, especially in Al Fatiha. As we get beyond Al Fatiha, not as much, but definitely Al Fatiha. Yeah. Any other questions? Nothing? All right, we'll stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafiruka natubi ilaik. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafiruka natubi ilaik.
سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين